The Tablet Show, Episode 75, with guests David Izbitsky and Andrew Smith. Recorded live Tuesday, March 5th, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to David Izbitsky and Andrew Smith about AppMobi. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome to The Tablet Show. It's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. We're talking mobile stuff, as we do every week. Hey, Richard. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? I have been uh, messing with too many phones. Yeah. You know, now that we're, we've got the mobile apps up and running on, uh, on the .NET Rocks side, yeah. I've now got and needed to try it on the Android phone and on an iPhone, and on, I have several different Win phones, so I'm just making sure it works. It worked on my 800, it worked on my 920, uh, yep. it works on the Samsung Focus, so uh, yeah, you know, it, it's working, it's and working. people are liking it. Yeah, I fortunately have people all around me with different phones, so I just say, hey, let me see that for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what is this app you installed, you know, they say. So it's, we've got to bring it to the tablet show next, but yes, uh, we do. If you're over on Donet Rocks, you can get it directly, and it and it's important because you know up here in Canada, you cannot get podcasts on a Windows phone. Right, yeah, it don't exist at all. You need to use an app. So the guys at Diatom Enterprises wrote this app for us, and uh, uh, headed by Kent Alstad, who was your business partner in Strange Loop, and um, they do great work. So they have this podcast app now. And so, if there are any podcasters out there that want to uh, to get a custom done app, just like we have, just uh, call them up, Diatom Enterprises. So, um, little story here: uh, the one and only John Schofield is coming to record in my studio in May. Wow! Congratulations, sir. Yeah, I hired him to play on one of my songs for my upcoming solo album, which is going to rock. If you have another player, are you still solo? Yeah, I know. But, you know, solo <laughs> as opposed to the Franklin Brothers. But it's funny that this this song that I wrote that Sko is going to play on, um, my brother and I are actually kind of working on it together. So, But most of the stuff on this album it just came out of my brain. Right. That's how it works. All right. Better Known Framework. All right. What do you got? So, you know, we've done a lot of shows on sideloading and the woes therein, but we really haven't had any official representation from Microsoft on this. Right. So I went out and I found on the MSDN blogs a blog post from Antoine LeBlond, uh, published Wednesday, April 25th. And uh, this is Microsoft's uh, post from Eric Cohen, a lead program manager for the commerce and licensing team, describing how to build, deploy, and manage Metro-style apps for business customers. So this is the, uh, well, one of the official uh, posts on how to do sideloading. Cool. And the URL is tinyurl.com slash metro deployment. Yes, I said it. So there. Because <laughs> I don't have to worry about getting fired from Microsoft because I don't work for them. Metro deployment. tinyurl.com slash metro deployment. There you go. Richard, who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of the very popular uh, episode 73, which is the one we just did with Miguel Diacaza, talking about all the great new things coming in Xamarin. 
Right. And this comment comes from Chuck Haynes, who says, Just listen to the show, and man, it was great. I've been developing iOS applications for about a year and have recently started Android development. The thing that has frustrated me the most about Android is that there are six ways to do any one thing and no real guidance on best practices. So you choose a method, you start down that path, and you find out that the APIs you need to use are now deprecated. Now you're stuck with the choice of either going down the path of using deprecated APIs... Or going back and rewriting the code you just wrote. And for a new Android developer, this is incredibly frustrating. Hey, for an old Android developer, that would suck too. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I gave MVVM Cross a shot. However, it required a few too many hacks to get up and running from my comfort level to use in a production type app. The future for it is incredibly bright. And I do believe that it will be what everyone uses in the not too distant future. Agreed. Uh, and I'm going to argue with you, Chuck, because we're about to do a whole show on another way to tackle this problem. Yeah. As a longtime C-Sharp developer, I was super excited to hear about the latest Xamarin offerings. Finally, we are getting a platform that is truly right once, run anywhere. Don't you believe it? <laughs> Java never met that goal. And unfortunately, while HTML5 and JavaScript are really great, they are not just there in terms of true native experiences of speed. Hey, look. It's not just Java. C promised that to us million years ago. Like, we've been promised the write once, run everywhere thing a lot of times. But in the end, you've got to take advantage of your platform. Yeah. I can't wait to see the future of Mono and MVVM Cross and how it will enable developers to no longer be concerned with the mobile platform they're targeting, but just write great mobile apps that work everywhere. It's a lovely dream, Chuck. I just don't know that it's achievable. The one thing I'd like to see is a UI designer similar to the XAML designer in Visual Studio. You create your interface and Mono would handle compiling it down to the specific UI bits for the device, XML for Android, uh, XIB for iOS, but also transforming it into the UI paradigm for the platform in the case of Android Holo. I think if Xamarin could nail that, no one would ever have a reason to develop in anything else ever again. Keep up the great works. Love the show. You know who actually tackles this problem and not with XAML is the Kendo UI guys. Absolutely. Because their HTML controls, they know they're running on Android, so they look like Android controls. And they know they're running in iOS, they look like they're running in iOS controls. So there is other ways to solve this, Chuck. I love the idea of the one right way. I just have come to believe that it's impossible, that there's too many different choices. Platforms keep shifting faster than tools can keep up. And we're always going to have to take advantage of our platform to be successful. Yeah. However... That's not going to stop me from sending you a tablet show mug. So a tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com. And with that, let us introduce our guests today, David Izbitsky and Andrew Smith. David Izbitsky is a technical evangelist for Microsoft covering Windows, Windows Phone, and Windows Azure. He enjoys talking about technology and has taught full-day courses on Microsoft topics, as well as being a presenter at many community events. Dave can be found online in his blog, blogs.msdn.com slash DaveDev, and Twitter at TheDaveDev. Andrew Smith has worked as a client-side engineer for the past 12 years, now employed as the developer evangelist at Intel Corp. His current role has changed from developer to that of an instructor and technologist. Welcome, guys. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Hey, thanks for having us. So we have some news. Yeah, I guess we do. I originally, we ran into you, David, on the road trip back in the fall. It was Philly, and thank you for coming out to Philly, guys. Oh, yeah. it was great. We had such we a good We were the time. loudest cheering on the, on the podcast, I think. Yes, it was pretty loud. Although Omaha was up there. Those guys were noisy. And Dallas, too. Holy man. 
Well, <laughs> Dallas, we sprung uh, Miguel Castro on them, which was my pairing, by the way, and I yep. thought that worked out really well. Yep, the Dallasites love Miguel. What can yeah. you say? Anyway, it was a, we had a great time in Philly. That was a cre. That night after that show is when we drove down and hit the charity event that was going on, the right. Give oh, Camp. Okay. The give and camp. so uh, I drove the RV into the university to the point where it's like, oh, we're not going to be able to turn the RV around in here. But people <laughs> yeah. were really excited. We had a lot of fun. Awesome. But uh, we ended up having a conversation about App Moby. Which I really got me excited. It's like, ah, here's another strategy because clearly people are trying to solve this problem of how to build apps for mobile devices across platforms. Uh, and so, you know, at that time I'm like, okay, well, you know, when things settle down, let's uh, get together and do the show. But in the midst of all of that, I guess other things have been going on. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, you know, where I largely spend my time is with developers writing apps. And so, you know, C-sharp developers, C++ developers, and now web developers into the mix to actually write to both the Windows Phone Store and the Windows Stores. And I hadn't seen, you know, a solution that really offered that experience that people were used to in Visual Studio, had kind of a, uh, you know, an IDE environment, had a debugging environment where they could code and they could target multiple platforms. And so... At Moby was actually a developer that has been in this for a really long time and had developed both a, a cloud-based IDE as well as an SDK that allowed developers to just target HTML5 and JavaScript and have that run across the different platforms. And they've got a lot of neat things in there, everything from you know in-app purchasing and, and advertising and stuff that I hadn't seen before. And so... You know, that became an, a tool when I was talking to developers who were totally focused on the web. You know, they had not written a lick of, uh, you know, client-side code in years, weren't really looking at, you know, Objective-C or, or Java for Android or, or C-sharp for that matter, but they really wanted a piece of the App Store markets that are out there. And so AppMobi started to fill out a NuGet package that allowed developers to take what they had already been coding and bring some of that over. So I thought it would be great to get Andrew on here and kind of talk to you guys about their approach for cross-platform HTML5 development. Yeah. So AppMobi is really about existing monetizing apps and games. That's what it says on the website, but it, it seems to be a little bit more than that. It it, it does. This is Andrew talking and, uh, yeah, that was a, a great buildup. Thank you, David. Uh, <laughs> that, that's essentially what we do. We're, we're in the business of turning web developers like myself, who are just kind of schlubs in the app world, into you know, uh, as close to uh, native developers as possible. So how does AppMobi play into that? Well, uh, the idea is that you could take uh, an AppMobi uh, app and and create it using uh, our tool. It's called the AppMobi XDK. And um, once you've written that application using HTML and JavaScript uh, and a JavaScript bridge API that gets you to the native features of the device, like the accelerometer and the camera, uh, you'd be able to, to to take that code and go to our cloud build system. And get back a uh, an iOS app or or an Android uh, you know binary that you could then put in those stores. And as David said, uh, we're working towards getting one for 
Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8. We kind of have some sort of hinky bridge solution right now. We're, we're not very fond of it. We're, we're going to get past this uh, new get uh, uh, solution, David, quite honestly. And, and that will stand in our cloud build system as you know, one of those native apps you could make with pretty much the same code base. I don't want to say it's write once, run everywhere, mm-hmm. as everyone always says. Let's say uh, you write it once and you test it everywhere. How's that? Is, is that fair? I guess the essence of this is, do I end up maintaining a source code base for each platform? Like, it so- I, sounds like I'm going to need a test. I'm going to do tweaks for my, my iOS implementation, and then I kind of have to protect that. Or can I really stay with one core code base, maybe with some conditional compilation for what platform it's compiling to? Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. You're going to have one code base, and the idea is that you'd have some conditional uh, branching in there. And most of that is actually for display purposes, just because there are so many different display sizes if you're on a tablet or on a handset or on, you know, uh, an actual PC or, a, you know, a Mac. So what's the relationship to PhoneGap here? Or is there one? Yeah, there, there is. Uh, in the early days of PhoneGap, we, we uh, worked with that open source uh, effort. Um, we know Jesse. We've, we, uh, we did some, some work with him. And then I uh, guess it's coming on two and a half years ago now. We, we split that off. And the idea was that, um, you know, just as uh, Red Hat is kind of a, a flavor of Linux that some people have wrapped their arms around and said, you know, we're going to support this. We're doing the exact same kind of thing with PhoneGap. So uh, now PhoneGap went on and it got bought by Adobe. Um, so that's completely different. And then we got bought by Intel. Uh, which is why my bio said I work at Intel. Today's my eighth day at Intel, by the way. Wow, great. So uh, that, I'm going to continue to say AppMobi through this whole interview, but I, obviously it's it's all Intel's uh, IP now. I, I'm owned by them now as well. Right. So uh, you'll you'll just have to bear with me there. Right, sure. So um, so it was a fork, right? It was it was a fork, right. Yeah. So uh, there, are, there are a lot of commands that are right in the middle that uh, we both share. And then there's some new ones that PhoneGap have done and some new ones that we've done that are different. Mm. Uh, but that means that if you've written a, a PhoneGap app, there is significant overlap. So uh, we actually have a JavaScript library you can stuff in there and it should just work. Now, um, here's just one thing that's bugging me here. On your on the website, which I know is going to change to be all Intel, uh, but there, the main focus there is monetize existing apps and games with cloud services. So if you have a native iOS app, let's say, um, could I use your XDK to, you know, to do that monetization, even if I'm writing a native app and it's not, it doesn't have any HTML in it? Uh, some of the, uh, and of course, this is, you're looking at AppMobi's site, which which is is not what what Intel bought. They right. actually did not buy the cloud services. They bought oh, the, the the XDK, the build. But you know, I, I it's been eight days, so I can still <laughs> tell you what AppMovie would say here. Okay, cool. Uh, the answer is yes for uh, the for most of these uh, cloud services, they would in fact be able to be dropped into a native application. There are some uh, exceptions. Uh, the the uh, the 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 push Moby. Uh, over the air updates, for instance, mm. You're, that's not going to work on a native app, sure. you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, OneTouch, uh, the gamification stuff, um, 
push messaging. Those are all uh, essentially uh, plugins that uh, would would be able to just uh, be, uh, I guess, plugins for PhoneGap. But you, you'd just be able to include the the code as a, as a library or something. Wow, that's very exciting. We sort of got this two different things here. One right. is the set of cloud services, and the other is this SD, this approach to building native apps using HTML. Right. And and historically, what AppMobi had done was they would give away the the build technology, the XDK, you know, all the tools, and then they said, well, you know, we're going to make money on the back end using these cloud services. Right. Uh, but recently, they they then sold off this part, and they they kept the cloud services. So they they love to put those cloud services on everything uh, and, and anything, quite honestly, because that's that's their business. Uh, whereas Intel is just in the business of uh, creating good tools, which it, you know, it's kind of a win-win for developers because you know now they can put uh, these cloud services and whatever they need, and uh, the the tools are now backed by Intel, which has really deep pockets. Mm. Right. You almost had an implication there that Intel's going to start charging for this SDK, but that seems unlikely to me. That that does seem unlikely to me as well. It's uh, if anything, I would think the and here again, eight days. Right. <laughs> The the uh, the only risk would be that uh, maybe they uh, uh, find that their internal customers uh, might be more important than their external. Co- you know, I I can't believe that would happen either. No, no, it just seems unlikely. A uh, couple of key things, uh, just thinking coming from the phone bat perspective. When I go to do my compilation for an iOS version, do I need to involve a Mac, or is there a workaround for that? Well, we actually have a Mac in the cloud. Is what happens. Okay, so. You would submit your your code, and here again, you're you're a web developer doing this. So, what do you know? You know HTML, you know JavaScript, images, maybe a couple of videos. You bundle that up into a, a, a zip file. Uh, you're going to send that off to us, and we'll give you back, uh, you know, an IPA file that would be appropriate for putting in the App Store or installing ad hoc on a device. And that reminds me of the PhoneGap build service, right? It is actually. Uh, we had the build service first, and then PhoneGap put up theirs. PhoneGap continues to charge for theirs, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I might be wrong on that. Ooh, we have the makings of a SmackDown here. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I don't know. Uh, and but they, you know they've got some great services in there too. They've got the the QR code reader, so you can once you've built it, you can just hold your device up to the screen, and and then it'll run uh, on that device. Uh, our our similar service uh, it's called uh oh, and i'm sorry intel's just renamed it, it used to be called test anywhere yeah. is is similar but uh, you'd actually send it in an email mm-hmm. so uh those two services are very similar so you may be familiar with the uh app Moby web service api for building and pushing and uh, push messages and live update Do, does intel plan to expand those ser- those cloud services and if so how and when you say cloud services, you mean the the web services? That, well, there's um, a, yeah, there's because then there's the game dev. But you know, can you walk us through some of the things that you guys plan to do? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think what you're talking about is is our our build service. Uh, we have a uh, a web service that would actually do the build in the cloud, but as a as a web service. So you would make a series of of calls rather than going through uh, Intel's uh, backend website to do that. Yeah. So uh, in in this case, you're describing uh, 
a, a customer would actually be able to automate this build service themselves and uh, almost literally, you know, duplicate uh, Intel's build service site, right? Cool. Um, there, there is an idea to expand that to make that a little more comprehensive. Uh, you also might see a, a limiting factor on there come up. You know, you, I'm sure Intel doesn't want someone competing with them or you know abusing that resource. Um, please don't everyone rush out and start using it <laughs> <laughs> because that's not there now. Right, okay. uh, but you know, you, you could probably expect something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then the the push message and live update web services you mentioned those. Both went with AppMobi, so right. um, I'm convinced that there'll be more of those as well. Yeah, and more functionality out of those. What those would let you do would be, uh, you know, suppose you've got a range of apps that are running on iOS and Android, you'd be able to make your own website that would be able to generate a push message that would just automatically go to all the devices that run your app, no matter what platform they're running on. Sweet, wow. And just making sure we've made this really clear, Intel didn't buy all of AppMobi. They bought only the SDK part, the phone gap-ish part. Right. And the cloud stuff is still AppMobi. So AppMobi oh, okay. continues on. Oh, all right. Well, I was I didn't know that. Thank you, Richard. Right. Everything AppMobi gave away for free uh, now belongs to the SDK. And I'll send along a link to both sites, both AppMobi and um, Intel's new... <laughs> uh, HTML5 tools site, which is at the very descriptive html5dev-software.intel.com URL. Clearly very descriptive. Yeah, you're going to have to like paste that to me in Skype. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Intel has a lot of really interesting things around HTML5. So if you haven't seen that software.intel.com HTML5 URL, not only is there what they're doing with the tooling around AppMobi, but there's also something called the HTML5 App Porter tool. And I don't know if uh, you've played around with that, Andrew, if that's something that you want to talk about. But I've checked it out, and I, I find it really interesting. It's something that will go through, and it'll take your Objective-C code, and it'll actually generate HTML5 and JavaScript from that code. Whoa. And if you are using, you know, just kind of the native libraries, you've got some UI going, maybe some data access and things like that, it'll be almost 100%. If you're getting into, you know, location services and other things like that, it's more of a translation tool. But it's a really interesting project going on, and you'll see that on the site, too. It's called the App Porter Tool. Yeah, uh, David, we actually got a chance to talk to those people, and uh, we had a lot of neat and exciting discussions. Um, I don't know that I have anything to share about that now, but I'm sure you can expect something awesome to come out of that soon. This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, 
All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. Can we talk about the game interfaces? Yes. Yes, we can. And those did go with Intel. There is uh, three things that went with that. There is uh, a, a canvas tag accelerant. Uh, if you're familiar with HTML5, the canvas tag is a new HTML tag that allows you to write directly to the uh, you know the graphics of, of the device. Uh, we've come up with a way to accelerate that on mobile devices, uh, a way to enable uh, multiple touches on uh, an, an Android uh, HTML5 screen, and uh, finally the ability to do multiple sounds at once, which you're not able to do typically uh, in an HTML5 browser. And all cross-platform, of course, because it's HTML5. Correct. Nice. And able to be accessed by you know a, a web schlub like me. Now, I know it's early on for you, but... Have there been any challenges? Uh, I'm sure there have, but what have been some of the most interesting challenges that you've had to uh, deal with? I'll just, uh, you know, anecdotally, uh, AppMobi is a company of, you know, 20, 30 of us, and we've just been embraced by, uh, you know, one of the biggest, most powerful companies in the world, Mm. uh, quite honestly. So uh, everyone wants a piece of us, and uh, it's it's been... (laughs) Kind of a challenge, just sort of keeping our head above water. Um, You're a little too popular. Exactly, exactly. Um, which, which is great. Um, uh, I, you feel like the, uh, you know, the, the the freshman at college. Everyone wants you to join their club. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's that's been the the biggest challenge for me this these past eight days. Yeah, just contending with all of that. So I, I mean. This seems like it's more of a game development platform than a, a sort of business app development platform. Am I characterizing that right? Well, uh, gaming is where it's at in terms of uh, making money, quite honestly. Uh, we started out targeting the business platform. We've actually got a JavaScript framework. Um, we called it JQ Moby at one time. Intel's kind of taken that over, and they've called it App framework uh, instead of JQ Moby, uh, and uh, essentially that would be a JavaScript framework that you could actually write a native HTML5 mobile app just using HTML. You know, it's going to include all the uh, uh, all the animations, all the buttons, uh, all the uh, all the linkages. You just need to provide what goes in the divs. You know, um, but of course. That didn't sell. That's the people don't get excited about business applications nearly as much. Uh, and we had been working on games, so that's when we started targeting the the gaming market. And uh, so, yes, uh, we we do target the gaming market. I guess is my answer, mm-hmm. but uh, that's not to say that you know we don't do uh, business apps either. You're not excluding it. Media and entertainment too, right, Andrew? A lot of people may not know, but the the Flycast app, which was one of the most popular iPhone apps, um, I think going back to um, you know 2008 around there, right or 
2009 was when you guys really got started. Right. I mean, I can tell you that story. Uh, AppMobi wasn't originally conceived as an application development tool. We, we actually made an app called Flycast, which was a media player. And our idea was that we'd make this media player where there was no UI. It was just a full screen web browser. So we kind of happened upon making native hybrid applications quite by accident. Um, and of course, having your UI be uh, a web browser was was really exciting because we could we could tailor um, stations and media to our customers kind of on the fly. Uh, my favorite example is Michael Jackson died, and we were able to come up with a Michael Jackson station that was kind of one of our biggest selling stations ever um, within you know an hour. Wow! Yeah, that ability to respond quickly. Exactly. It kind of makes sense to me that games took off first early in the app market, but clearly our listeners and reading the comments that we're getting in the tablet show, it's more and more uh, app developers inside of organizations that are being tasked with building mobile apps for this bring-your-own-device marketplace where some of the employees are going to have iPhones, some of them are going to have Android, a couple of them are going to have a WinPhone, we can hope. And uh, and we need to come up with a solution to go across all of this. But I I also get the sense that the expectations are going to be different from between you know game development. You're building a very flexible, dynamic UI, and uh, normal working business apps on phones need more structure than that. How do, how do you address that if you're going to build business apps with AppMobi? I see what you're saying, um, and I, I suppose my answer is is that. It's it's all going to be dependent on the developer themselves. Uh, you know, they're working in HTML5. Right. Um, it, it's kind of like asking what's the difference between uh, a website that just does games and a website where you might be checking on your paycheck. I mean, that's one has a lot more Flash than the other. E exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, one might use Flash, and the other <laughs> might, obviously, right? Right. Uh, and of course, the expectation is now we've in, uh, we're in HTML5. Uh, we're we're going to lose Flash, and uh, you know there'll be more animation, probably more more uh, things going on on a gaming website, or right. in this case, a gaming app, than you would see on a on a business app. But th but that's not to say that you're not going to still have animation. Uh, you know, just the ability to scroll within a div, that's that's a JavaScript library that, that's waiting just to be, uh, you know, hooked up. You know what I mean by a div, you know, in, sure. in HTML? Sure. Okay. Uh, it's, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a challenge for your uh, developers, whether you're a game developer or a business developer. Uh, and our plan has been... To, yeah, I, I want to target the the game developer and get them interested in in the build system, in the tools, because uh, that generates a lot of buzz and that gets people interested in AppMobi. But when it comes down to it, um, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't still use those exact same tools to build a very competent business application. For sure. I mean, hey, there are tables in HTML. You could yeah. Yeah. you can lay down text boxes like it. This can be done. Uh, it's just a you know I'm thinking back to Chuck's question at the top of the show where he said I want a XAML designer. I want some kind of UI designer. And I think that that question is still there for folks who 
who like that sort of thing. Although web folks tend to be a little more in the in the code when it comes to developing UI. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And and we're at this point the XDK is really high level and it's it's looking at those developers who have written in code whether it's for games or for business. But uh, I believe that uh, Intel is looking to uh, m- maybe target the, towards uh, a market that's a little less savvy. And maybe you'll see some more drag and drop tools within the XDK coming right. up, uh, and, and that's going to going to help just sort of a, a casual designer uh, move forward. Well, the other piece that you run into here, and we've talked about this previously on the show, with this HTML5 approach to hybridization, is how do I make the iPhone deploy look like an iPhone app so that the look and feel expectations are correct, and an Android one look like an Android app? Right, right, and and that is a challenge. Um, it's very easy just to write one UI and and have it run on both, and so it looks neither like an iPhone nor an Android. Um, but of course, if if you put in a little more time, there's no reason why you couldn't have uh, you know a, a cascading style sheet that would take care of a lot of those issues. Uh, you know, putting the buttons at the bottom as opposed to the top, uh, rounding them appropriately, uh, things of that nature. And of course, with a game. You know, a, a lot of those conventions are thrown right out the window anyway, right? Right. Yeah, it's not important. And in some ways, you could even say a, an internal business app, you want the look and feel of the organization rather than necessarily the platform. So there's there's an argument to be made there, too. Yeah, you know, I never thought of that. That would make sense. So yeah. if, if I was, you know, uh, Whole Foods or something, and I had a business app for a, you know, uh, put it on your own device sort of. Uh, application, maybe I would want that user interface to be, you know, unified, whether, right. you know, regardless of what device uh, my customer might have it on. I agree. And the only caveat is that it better not suck. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you have a good UI that's unified, then you've got something. But, you know, if it's difficult to use and figure out for the purpose of, you know, having your logo there or whatever. Yeah. Right, right, and and that could be incumbent on the web designer. Right. Uh, you know, I'm sure it would be very easy to to make a complete suck UI if you just have you know basic HTML. You know, it here's my way. It's it's just like my website, except it doesn't scroll and I can't size it. Yeah, right, nice, yeah, right. It's easy to make suck UI native and HTML five. That's right. <laughs> That's true. Suck is indiscriminate. <laughs> it turns out to be the easiest thing. <laughs> it's the easiest thing that we can do as a developer. That's right. Make real <laughs> crappy UI coming right up. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, yes, but it sucks is always the, not what you want to hear. You know, when you're showing somebody something. <laughs> but you know, the other part of suck is performance, and I always worry with these hybrid approaches that we've got a couple of level extra levels of abstraction here. What's the overhead of working this way? Yeah, and and that is definitely a, a concern. And uh, quite honestly, that's yet another reason why we wanted to get into games, just to show that, you know, it is possible. Right. You know, animating transitions, animating scrolling, uh, you know, these basic business type animations are cake when, you know, we're we're animating, uh, you know, some sort of crazy driving game or, you know, a, a first person, well, not a first person shooter. We're not getting that far yet, but <laughs> it, you get the idea. That's, yeah. that's the idea that if, if, uh, if we can make something that is actually playable as, you know, an arcade type, type, uh, uh, mobile app, making a business app is going to be a, a piece of cake. Right. You can keep it quick. 
And I think, you know, the browsers have come a really long way to enable that performance. I mean, you start to look at when Internet Explorer 9 hit and we could be running cascading style sheets on the GPU and we had fully hardware accelerated canvas. That same control now that runs in Windows Store apps and Windows Phone apps is basically IE10. So you're getting really great performance across both. And in fact, when you go and you look in the in the stores today, like if you look in the Windows Store, you're seeing a lot of apps that are straight up HTML5. You know, you've got some of the where's my parry or where's my water. You've got um, things like cut the rope. A lot of that is just straight HTML5 running inside of the IE10 shell. So the performance, um, exactly like Andrew said, you can see, especially with games, the type of performance that's coming out of these now. So here's my question. Let's say let's say the listener here is an HTML5 enthusiast and they want to go that route. And, you know, the guy sits next to him is, you know, like likes the native approach. Maybe they're doing Xamarin. Maybe they're looking forward to doing uh, MVVM Cross or whatever. What what do you say? What's the elevator pitch? What's the what's the key benefit to doing it this way? What I tell developers is a lot of it's going to depend one on where your personal passions are and then two what type of team your environment you're in. So, I can give you some examples when I first started talking about Windows Store apps and I'm in front of a .net audience, I would get the, you know, why are you talking about JavaScript? Is is Microsoft abandoning .NET and, right. and C Sharp and and all of this? And you know, before I've been at Microsoft about six years, and before that, I was a developer for well over a decade in the enterprise. And I can tell you, the the people that were doing the internal websites and the external websites made stuff that looked a lot better than what I was doing. And the fact that I couldn't take any of their skill sets and bring them over. Uh, was something that I always wanted to do. And now when you look at Windows Store apps, it's not a zero-sum game, mm-hmm. which is one of the initial humps I need to get over is, hey, you know, if you're a .NET developer and you just want to write the, you know, the models and the controllers, you totally can. You can run C Sharp with HTML5 and JavaScript within the same app. So now suddenly the people that have been creating some really great UI are doing the same UI in your app but it looks like JavaScript libraries to them, but to you, it's all of the C-sharp goodness that you're, you're using and creating. So, you know, I, I look at it like that based on what's your team model. A lot of organizations seem to have more web developers than they do native developers, and now you can work together. And then if you're looking at targeting the web, you know, HTML5 is going to give you the ability not only to target these native apps, but you can also target the web. And, you know, that's something we've we've done in the past where you've seen with, you know, I, I still, I'm going to date myself, but I was writing Java applets, or, you know, early in my career. Um, and then we moved through Flash and Silverlight and all of this, but HTML5 is giving you a straight native kind of language for the web so you can target those different screens. You know, you've got a browser, you've got a phone, you've got a tablet, and you've got a PC all using the same languages. And then you get into areas like Node.js, too, where you see, you know, really taking those same JavaScript skills. If you're, you've always been doing, you know, client-side UI, and um, a lot of developers get the itch, right? You're, you've been writing server-side code for a while, and you're like, you know what, I want to, I just want to see how to create some good UI, and maybe you look at learning some design skills. You know, you can, the reverse is true. 
somebody can pick up Node, and now they're using the same JavaScript skill set. Well, it seems like you're, and, and I hate to play devil's advocate, but it seems like your arguments are why it's good for the developer. Why is it good for the end user? Well, I think, if anything, <laughs> right, end users want apps. Um, I've always been one that says, if the problem is that it's, um, you know, I can't write the same code everywhere, I want all users have access to the same apps. And so it's more about design and performance. I think you guys hit the nail on the head there is if I'm an end user, I don't care how this is written. Mm. And, you know, I haven't done this, but I imagine if we, if you go out on the street and you ask somebody with an iPad and iPhone, what objective C is, they probably have no clue to them. It's really about how performing is this application and, you know, does it does it give me the experience that I'm looking for? You know, the same problems we've always had as developers is, you know, performance is, you know, perception is perceived performance and, you know, creating something that's in, engaging for people. Yeah, it's not only that the customer doesn't know about Objective-C, they couldn't care less. Right, sure. <laughs> exactly. it's just, does the app run on my phone? That's what they care about. So wh- how about that? I mean, how is the how is the performance? And I know you guys are speaking objectively, but... Does it cut it? Does it feel like a native app? I like to think so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as soon as you put uh, some animations and uh, icons to it, um, a, a lot of times there's there's little or no difference at all. Have you ever pressed a, a button on a AppMobi app and it no, had no response and wondered if your phone was frozen? Uh, of course. But, you know, I've done that with some native apps as well. <laughs> <laughs> right? The only time that happens on a native app is if my phone's actually frozen. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's true too. I, I see what you're saying, but and uh, it it is uh, you know a concern. Um, and I, I I would probably go a, a different path than David. I I don't know that I would try and convince native application writers to to use a tool like this. This isn't you know this is a wrong. Right. Yeah. For the job for for someone who does, uh, you know, you're I right. Don't yeah. It's want, not about converting. Yep. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. We're not taking over the world here. Uh, and quite honestly, I, I don't want to do the hard sell because, sure. um, you know, it, these these people who do write the native apps are employed by, uh, you know, uh, bean counters or, or managers who are going to say, well, you know, how much does it cost to hire some web developers to do this app, and how much does it cost to do you know, have some native uh, developers write this app in iOS and Android and and websites and and you know I it, it I feel bad for them you know because uh, just ec- economically uh, you know writing apps in HTML just might be how it's done for uh, you know the future and and maybe it's not the the highest quality app but uh, that could be the solution for uh, people who are you know, on a, on a budget. Fair enough. I get the bigger uh, issue for me here. And I think for a listener evaluating this is given the correct skill sets, isn't the larger debate here, phone gap versus app Moby? Perhaps uh, we, we see, we've never seen ourselves as a competitor to phone gap because we just give it away for free. Right. Uh, you know, how do you compete with free? Um, but but I could see why that would be the case because it is a uh, a uh, you know an apples to apples comparison in some respects and and PhoneGap clearly is further ahead in supporting multiple platforms. They've got WinPhone support. They've got 
BlackBerry support. They've got Symbian support, so that guy's going to be happy. Uh, right. You know that that's one of their. I guess one of their strengths is they've really focused on getting that cross-platform story pretty broad. Right, and and in the past, you know, we've been able to say that the same command, you know, the same code base wouldn't run the same on all those devices. But I believe PhoneGap has fixed that particular issue. Um, so so yeah, you know, Intel's got some. Catching up to do, quite honestly. Sure. And this, uh, you know, moving to Windows Phone 8 and, and Windows 8 is is the first step in that progress. Now, and as far as the cloud services are concerned, and these are clearly products that people need, uh, <laughs> but there is a lot of different ways to get them too, right? There's, there are, I'm thinking of uh, the Azure mobile services handle some pieces of it. Like, I, I appreciate that you've got a bundle here. That's a bunch of things in one place for me to use. Clearly, right. I, I this must be some payment system around that as well. Right, and AppMobi's idea is that you know it's one payment and you just get it all. Right, that's you know, uh, go nuts. And how do you chart? Is it a flat rate per month? Is it a number of device, number of transactions? How do you price that? Right, it's it's based on uh, users per month, users of your your app per month. So you know, if you've got a you know maybe a a small app that not a lot of people end up using it you know all these services could be free but you know then if you get something that's a hit for 2 months 3 months and then drops off into obscurity you're only paying for those 3 months either right. so that's that's how they're they're pitching that right now well if you're doing the one touch payment thing you're making more money when more traffic occurs it's basically a cost of goods thing uh that is true if if you're using uh, the the uh, in app purchases there's there's going to be a percentage on that as well. And it, as far as these services are concerned, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the uh, live update, push messaging, gamification, so forth. Uh, did I see also there's an analytics module? That's hmm. correct. So what are we talking about when we talk about analytics? What can I know about my users? Well, it's, it's kind of, uh, of course, you're writing in HTML5, so it makes the most sense to uh, my developers just saying it's similar to web analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would drop breadcrumbs in your app, uh, and as people passed over that code, it would write to a database that would eventually flow to your, uh, you know, your your analytics processor, whatever it it might be. I mean, whatever you're using for your website, you could theoretically use for uh, an app that is tracking these these uh, analytics. Now, it's it's not going to work exactly the same because if someone uses their app and they're offline of course it's not going to report back to the database there's no internet connection but uh kind of in the background as the application is connected to the internet these these breadcrumbs will trickle back to the server and and they'll be made available uh online through uh app mobi i believe they've got a uh a directory that you would go to for your particular app and you'd be able to get an update of that as kind of a, a dump and pull it right into your your analytics processing software so you could get it as a dump or actually as it trickles in i, I guess you could do it that way too mm. and this is and is there a client side piece here that can cache while i'm disconnected uh well the, it's it's built into all the the native apps right okay so yeah. if 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 you've if i've written an app that's uh you know andrew's soy burger emporium app and you know everyone's out getting soy burgers they don't have their internet connection they're they're you know doing things and it's building up 
uh, breadcrumbs, building them, building them up. You know, as soon as they do get back on the internet, then they'll start to, to trickle in uh, in the background. It's you know, it's tiny pieces of data, right? Uh, and and when they reach uh, the AppMovi server, then they become available to uh, the client's uh, analytics engine. Cool. Well, Andrew, what's on your to-do list? Uh, I have a whole list of people to get back to by email, and they <laughs> all want to know what's going on next. So yeah. I appreciate you guys, uh, including me in this as well. So what do you think uh, are the, the next things we can expect to, to see from Intel with regards to the XDK? Uh, well, we're going to make it a little more reliable. Uh, quite honestly, we've had some problems with that in the past. Uh, for those of you who've used it in the past, uh, it's it's going to become um, more uh, uh, editor friendly, and you're going to see more um, more emulation tools in there. So uh, you won't just have the uh, the iPad, the iPhone five. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get those Windows devices in there. We'll we'll, we'll start uh, building more devices into the build system, and uh, you'll just become a more robust free tool that you can use if you're a web developer and you want to make mobile apps. Fantastic. Andrew, David, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Carl. Richard? All right. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much money.